Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. It is Friday the 23rd of July 2021. My name's Dan Club, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Dave Comerford. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Dave, how are we doing? Um, very hot, as I'm sure you're well aware. Um, you had a good week. Um, and we are going to just quickly discuss a topic um, before we crack on to the main hub of the pod. Um, Liverpool have been linked with Jared Bowen this week, which I think has surprised quite a lot of people. More so on the name than when you actually go into the details of things. But I'll get your opinion on that before we get going. First of all, uh, not not too bad. Um, I've uh, sacrificed my uh, the fan I have in my room for the podcast recording for the audio quality. That's just how committed mm-hmm. I am, I suppose. But um, it will be a bit of a struggle. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, in terms of Bowen, you know, slightly obviously surprising as you said. Um, I do think. He's a really good player. Like every time I watch West Ham, I've been pretty impressed with him, really. Um, and I remember actually in the championship for Hull, he was he was pretty outstanding for them. I think they were pretty mediocre in in that level um at that time. So yeah, I mean from that point of view, I wasn't too um set against it, but I think there's you know a few issues with it. I think Maybe people assume the price tag would be just talk that they consider offers from 35 million upwards, though. So, yeah, that might actually be feasible, but just question marks over suitability. Like, I read a uh, a piece that Sam Maguire did yesterday, um, mm. and it looks like it would be a bigger risk than it necessarily has to be when it comes to the forward edition. Um, and it could be the case, you know, I might be very wrong on this, but it could be the case that Klopp really likes him, but. Maybe from an analytics point of view, it isn't an ideal fit. And the second thing is um, that West Ham went into the window knowing that they were lights on cover for Mikel Antonio. Uh, so whether they'd be willing to sell a player who can play that role and then sort of make their task doubly difficult, I'm kind of sceptical about that. So, um, so yeah, whilst I do like the player, I have do have some concerns about it and I also have doubt as to what it'll ha- as to whether it will happen, but you know, concrete attacking links are kind of few and far between. Yes, they are. Um and it was nice to have one to be fair this week. I was surprised with the makeup of it. And I think 35 million and above is probably a little bit of excessive. I think the biggest issue is the fact that it's not the glamour name. You've probably seen Liverpool Twitter react to it and that's in part down to the fact that it isn't a player, even from abroad. I think we all like that glamorous name coming in, don't we? But um, yeah, we'll, um, I've been a guest in this week. We've got um, Aaron Cutler, a Liverpool writer who's featured on this at Anfield and the Anfield rap. Um, Aaron, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, I know you're probably also very hot. And I want to get your thoughts on the Bowen uh, situation as well before we get cracking. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on, lads. Um, it's a surprising link, isn't it? Um, one that certainly came out of left field. In that respect, I suppose it's similar to Jota last summer, really. Mm. Um, similar to what's just been said, I've, I've been impressed with him every time I've watched him play. Um, he's what I describe as a busy player, a bit of a nuisance. And if you look at his goal record, he clearly knows where the back of the net is. Um, I think he scored eight times last season for West Ham from a wide role. 
Um, and he had a breakout year at Hull, didn't he, where I think he got 15 or 16 odd goals. Um, you'd imagine he'd probably better that output in a side that creates more chances, to be fair. So I can see the logic in, in the link. I suppose the big question is where he'd fit in. Um, he tends to play off the right from what I've seen of him. And obviously, not only did we have Salah playing there, but we have Harvey Elliott too. Um, although, interestingly enough, he did play deeper, didn't he, on uh, was it Tuesday, the friendly? I've forgotten now. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. yeah, I think for the numbers being banded around, I'd, I'd be very surprised if we made a move for him, to be honest. Um, by all accounts, he's settled at West Ham, so mm. I can't see him forcing the move. And I think 40-odd million, potentially, I think that's too rich for us. Yeah, I, again, completely agree. I think Busy's a really good description. I think... The fact it was coming out saying the Klopp liked him, that came as no surprise to me because when I think of him, I think of sort of work rate and work ethic. And we all know that's the sort of thing that Klopp absolutely loves. But you're dead right to point out the position because he's he starts a lot of games at West Ham and he's not going to do that at Liverpool, getting in front of Salah. So we've got to consider that. But we will get into the main probably talking point of the week, I'd say. Um, and that being Jordan Henderson and his... <laughs> potentially slightly dwindling contract, if you like, um, and moreover the fact that they have tried to negotiate a new deal and been unsuccessful. And it's been it's been reported in a way that would suggest that maybe there are issues in getting that new deal moving forward. So I'll bring you straight back in on it, Aaron. Um, the, so obviously no real progress has been made um, in getting that new deal struck. I think they spoke before the Euros. Um, they are still discussing it. There seems to be no sort of ill feeling. Um, he's contracted until 2023. And there are clubs, particularly in Europe, interestingly, looking at the situation, which is no real surprise. So I want to get initial reactions to it first, um, similar with the, to the Bowen situation. What were your initial thoughts slash panic when you seen the story? <laughs> panic might be a good way to describe it. I yeah. thought it was very reminiscent of the Gerrard situation. I remember when um, there was talk that Gerrard may be leaving Liverpool. I dismissed it out of hand and thought that's just going to be sorted. Um, I was very wrong, obviously. And I think we could be in a similar position here with Henderson. Um, where to begin? I think I think the club is clearly a bit of a crossroads, really. Um, the team that we love, the team that delivered our wildest dreams, if you like, is now an ageing one. Um and while I understand FSG's priority might be rebuilding, as it's been described in the press, that is a bit of a balancing act, isn't it? Um, the last Liverpool team to win the league prior to this one, you could say that was broken up too soon. And having already lost Genie, I think it would be pretty catastrophic to lose your captain in the same summer. Um, it's also too important to consider what impact that would have in the dressing room. I'd imagine the way Genie's exit was handled probably upset a few, the manager included. If another key player was to go because the club failed to meet him halfway, if you like, that could quickly create some unrest. Um, I suppose my biggest fear is if Jürgen falls into that camp. We know what he feels about Genie. We know what he feels about Henderson. And uh, I don't think he'd take too kindly to, to them being treated as disposable commodities, if you like. Mm. Um, there's wider questions about the business model, obviously. Do I support that? It's a difficult one to answer. I think the owners still hark back to the wage bill they inherited. There were some average and mm. aging players there at the time that were on big bucks. Um, and I think FSG vowed at the time never to make the same mistakes as their predecessors. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Joe Cole on 100k plus a week? Something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, he was one of the one of the ones, yeah. Exactly. Um, but by the same token, none of these lads are Joe Cole, are they? 
the yeah. reason the bo bonuses are spiraled out of control, if you like, is because they've achieved so much. So my view is there's some room for some, for some sentimentality, I think. Um, the thing with Henderson is I think he's got two years left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, the club could legitimately argue there's no massive rush. I think secretly they'd probably quite like to return to the uh, negotiating table in a year's time, by which time mm. Henderson's 32, perhaps in a weaker position to demand so many years. Um, maybe, who knows? Um, but whatever your business model has, I think, you know, it's not a great look to lose your captain potentially on the eve of a season, is it? No, it's certainly not. And I think that's probably the overriding feeling that's come out this week. I think if this was almost anyone else, a lot of Liverpool fans might have looked at it differently. But when you're almost casting out your captain and leader and someone's been so instrumental over the past few years, hanging them out a little bit to dry to the extent whereby someone's felt it necessary to report it this week doesn't look particularly fantastic. Whether there's unrest in the camp and Klopp knows about it, et cetera, et cetera, or not is, is unknown, but it's still not a great look, like you say, on the eve of a season. Um, I want to bring you in, Dave, um, particularly on the model that Aaron kind of referred to there from FSG and their reluctance to, we've seen it with Genie, obviously, and the reluctance to give sort of ageing players longer contracts on big money um, and also your, your initial reaction as well, if you like. Well, I suppose the place to start here is um, when I read it, you know, I wasn't overly concerned. I don't think I did slightly get the sense that it was a little bit overblown, whether that was by the journalists or by or by the fans, really. Um, and I don't ex certainly don't expect anything to leave this summer and uh, my money would be on a, a resolution being, being reached still. Um, in terms of the model, though, I think... You know, it's important for a club to be run on a set of principles. Um, and under Klopp, Liverpool have been, for the most part, a very well-run club and better than a lot of their rivals, actually. Um, but now that we're starting to see the great team that's been assembled getting old or getting older, um, another kind of facet of that model is becoming clear and it's a more controversial one than, than some of the other pillars of it, really. So, me, it's about having those clearly defined principles, but understanding that there's going to be moments, and the moments are rare, but moments when you have to compromise. And we did that last summer, for example, by signing Thiago. Um, is, is a kind of clear example of that. So, you know, it's not a, doesn't tick the boxes by any means of a standard FSG signing, but he was a world-class trophy-laden player who actively wanted to join us and who could help us actually evolve as a team. So we took the opportunity that was presented to us. And like next season in particular, we might end up reaping the, the rewards of that that gamble, if you like. Um, so take the argument that you've got to be ruthless at times and be driven by the facts rather than, than sentiments. And I don't necessarily think it's unacceptable to lose good players on free transfers because if their commitments and performance levels are kind of sustained, even in that last year of their contract, and you haven't had any satisfactory offers for them before then, then it makes kind of a degree of sense to do that. But what I'm sceptical about is, and I think I've said this before, is the idea that when a player turns 30, and kind of since 31, mm. but even still, you know, when they get to that stage, it's all downhill. And there's a possibility that that view is, you know, way too simplistic and getting a little bit outdated. 
you know, we might be in an era now where players can keep delivering into their mid-30s. Mm. I mean, the example that sprung to mind when I thought about this was, you know, the Italy centre-backs at the Euros before in 36. Yeah. Um, you know, that's an international tournament and there's all, all sorts of caveats to have to apply there, but it's just an example, really. Um, and, it, you know, it might be the case that the players' games have to evolve a little bit, um, but with the demands and still thrive, but they, you know, they carry on making important contributions. But yeah, on the other hand, there I, I do suspect Liverpool are partly being guided by by sort of analytics here in terms of the sort of drop off in performance levels they anticipate from players like Ronaldo and Henderson. I doubt it's kind of an arbitrary, fully age based thing. So there are, you know, as Aaron kind of alluded to, it's there are kind of pretty strong arguments on either side. But as I say, I am a little bit skeptical about it. Yeah, it, it's hard not to be. Um, I think the point you make with Thiago is a really interesting one because it is against what FSG would normally do. And it shows you they do have a little bit of leeway in their model, which they're pretty, pretty well structured in and pretty steadfast and sticking to it with C. And that's certainly proved to be the case with Ryan Alden. Um, want to get Aaron in on something you, you half alluded to there in terms of letting players leave on a free, which is what, like I say, again, we've done with, we've done with Ryan Alden this summer. Um that seems like it's something Arsenal used to do quite a lot, but in a different circumstance, they were just quite neglectful in a way. Liverpool, with this group of players now, they're all at a very similar age, and it seems more planned and orchestrated that we might let a couple of players go, potentially either for cheap or for nothing at all. Um, so I wanted to get Aaron's foot on that, and I do think FSG, I'm not well-versed on my American sport generally, to be honest, but I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's something they've done with their... Um, Red Sox team before now. So it seems like they're happy to do it. So would you, Aaron, be happy to see one, two of our star names leave for free in a couple of years' time? No, I wouldn't. I think I think that would be quite naive, to be honest. Um, I see why you reference Arsenal, but you could you could argue that the great Arsenal type, the great Arsenal side, when those when those when those guys reached 30 and started moving away. They, they lacked leadership from that point onwards. Every year we were told Arsenal had a great young side, you know, crop of kids coming up. They used to impress in the League Cup and in a few years' time, they'd be competing for the league and the Champions League. It never happened. It never happened. Um, Arsenal, you could argue for 15 years or so, have lacked experience and leadership. And as I alluded to earlier, the, the last Liverpool team to, to win the league, that side was broken up too quickly. It's, it's often said that Sunis's big, big um, error at Liverpool was dispensing with the likes of Peter Beardsley, for instance, way, way quicker than, than he needed to. And mm. again, he brought in a, an exciting young crop of players, Fowler, McManaman, etc. But they they would have benefited from a bit more experience alongside them, I think. Uh, yes, they had John Barnes and Ian Rush, but I... I think it would be criminal to let too too many of these guys go. I'm I'm still very disappointed that Genie was allowed to leave on a free, particularly if you buy the reports that have come out this week that he was willing to accept half of what he's on at PSG. Um, I think it would be naive in the extreme. And as I also said earlier, I'd be worried about how that would be received in in the dressing room by those that are left behind, including yeah. the manager. Yeah, completely fair enough. And I think... We also need to remember that it's pretty much nailed on that James Milner will leave next summer. Yeah. Um, whether that be leave football in terms of retirement altogether or leave the club and maybe head back to Leeds or wherever it may be, I'm speculating. But 
chances of him being a Liverpool player after next year are pretty slim. So when you talk about experience, there's another serious member of that camp leaving. Um, on the flip side of kind of what we've just discussed, Liverpool look like they are lined up contract extensions for Salah and Mane, both for 29, and Virgil van Dijk, um, who obviously just come back from that incredibly serious injury like we discussed last week on the pod, um, and at 30. So it seems like that trio, at a similar sort of age to Henderson, they are willing to make exceptions for and to give them probably what will be another bumper contract. Um, but with Henderson, they're not. Um, so I'll bring you back in on this, Dave, first. Um, what does that say about Henderson? Does it, does it refer to his injuries, maybe, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute? But is Henderson that big a loss? Are we overhyping this a little bit? Um, Henderson, whilst being a fantastic player, isn't isn't obviously world class. So you know, there's a difference there. But you know, there is that uncertainty around around Van Dijk, who alluded to, and we obviously spoke about last week in terms of getting back to his former levels. And let's not forget as well that Marnie has just come off what he himself called the worst season of his career. Um, and whilst you would expect them to return to form next year, it's not guaranteed. So there's a degree of risk um, in that case as well. In terms of the loss, then this would be, I think the, the key thing, and, and Aaron's already alluded to it, is leadership. And so I'm not going to dwell on that too much. Um, you know, it's clear that there'd be a huge vacuum and it'd be left to players like Van Dyke, Robertson, be Trent as he kind of, you know, his presence grows to fill that void. Um, but it would be, you know, as I say, a pretty big void. But what about like the ability as well? Like, let's not downplay that and focus too much on just his, his presence and the intangibles. Because when fit this season, Henderson is going to play pretty much every game, you'd think. Um, and that's not just because of his presence. Um, you know, he offers far more than just that. Like, it reminds me of an interview Adam Milana did last season. And he sort of expressed frustration that Henderson was still underrated as an actual footballer. And he said, you know, maybe it's because he's not the same on the eye. You know, Henderson is like, to be honest, like a little bit of an awkward-looking footballer in a way. Um, and and Lana said it might also be because he's kind of a naturally aggressive player. People may assume that's what's carried him to the top. But, you know, he's a fantastic passer of the ball. Um, you know, we've seen abundant evidence of that. Um, and he's also like so intelligent as well in terms of you know how he sort of reads the game around him. So let's consider that side of it as well. Like Klopp's not playing, gonna play Henderson so regularly purely because he's gonna you know be such a motivator on the pitch. Like he's he's a very very good player as well. Um, mm. So you would lose you would lose quite a lot doing that. Yeah, I I, I echo that. I, I think it'd be a huge loss. Um, Everyone recognises and applauds his leadership qualities, but that often detracts from his footballing ability, in my opinion. We're yeah. a better team with Henderson in it. It's as simple as that. The stats back it up. Um, I think he sets the tempo of games. I think his passing ability is underrated. Those first-time whip crosses into the box have been a, a huge weapon for us in recent years. He's a good presser, good header of the ball, does an excellent job at co covering Trent when Trent bombs forward. Mm. Um, I think his only weakness, to be fair, is his finishing ability. <laughs> He, uh, he tends to play shots over the bar whenever he's within 10 or 12 yards of, of the goal, which is really frustrating. But he's a terrific player and I think one of our most important still. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think just to kind of sum up this little section here, I just wanted to get a, an answer from you, Aaron, really. So I've mentioned the three 
as Dave rightly says, world-class players there. And Henderson might not quite be in that bracket, but when you take everything into account in terms of what he's won for the club, his captaincy, his leadership, and his ability, like you've rightly just summed up really well, should he be as important to the FSG in terms of giving him a new contract as those names? Yeah, I think so. I think he's earned it. Um, is there room for sentimentality in football when you've got FSG's business model? Questionable, but I, I think mm. he's earned it. Um, yeah. Then again, I would have said Gerard, you know, deserved to stay for as long as he wanted to. So <laughs> perhaps yeah. I'm a little bit naive in that respect. But no, I, I think this needs to be sorted. I think it's a bad look for us at the moment, particularly on the eve of the season. Um, yeah, I'd be urging everyone inside the club to try and get this sorted as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think as fans, we are always a little bit sentimental, especially to players who could be perceived as or are club legends um, already, which Henderson certainly is one of. Um, flip it on his head a little bit again here and almost look at it from a, a different viewpoint and potentially the business model and FSG's viewpoint a little bit more. So we've kind of alluded to his injury record, which last season wasn't fantastic. I know we missed a large chunk of certainly the end of the season. Um, so I want to bring that into play. And I also... Want to look at potentially a different model of contract in terms of if we gave him a lesser wage and because he's getting a little bit older, kind of incentivised it with bonuses and what have you. Um, and also, there is talk in the reports this week coming out that Henderson doesn't really want to be kept around merely for what has been described as stirring pep talks, as in his leadership. So, Dave, I'll bring you in initially on that. Look at it from the other point of view, if you like, the other side of the coin. Um can you see why FSG would potentially not want to give Henderson a new deal? Yeah, so there are, this is more of a debate than I think the initial reaction suggested it would be. And that's a reaction for me as well. The reaction of, oh God, you know, this, this can't be allowed to happen. There are kind of more layers to it. And injury records, one of them. I think Henderson's in, in injury susceptibility, if you like, doesn't get spoken about as much as Cater or Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, and it's probably not on the same level as those two, but he does still suffer reasonably serious injuries pretty consistently. Um, so it's fair enough that that's going to factor into the club's thinking because he might get even more susceptible um, as the years go on, or it might kind of threaten his longevity at the highest level. Um, I like the, the contract compromise idea you know if if that was the approach that the club took I think I don't understand it as much as I instinctively want them to do whatever it takes to keep Henderson if they you know if they said to him you know if you think you keep delivering for years to come and you do fulfill that then you're going to be properly rewarded but we need that safety net you know if they say that then I think that's that's legitimate um obviously whether he accepts it then is is another thing and in terms of Henderson's own position on it not something I originally considered but I saw it raised in kind of the discussions this week and I think um, Henderson wouldn't necessarily be happy winding up in the position that Milner finds himself in now and whilst I think that he probably loves the club as much as anyone in the squad at the moment I don't think it's just going to be loyalty alone or persuade him to the end of his career or I don't think he'd stay purely if he felt that it was a gesture from the club to meet his demands. I think that he has too high an opinion of himself of a footballer to accept being sort of phased out like that. I think, you know, 
as we saw in the reports this week, he genuinely believes he's got multiple years left performing at the at the highest levels and not showing any sort of serious signs of any decline. Yeah, it's important to remember in this that we are two years away from potentially this coming to a serious head. Um, although it's obviously you know definitely worth talking about because it has been raised this week and there were some murmurings that a deal could be on the cards this summer, um, which is highly unlikely in my opinion. But I get your opinion on similar points. I mean, I think the injury record is probably the most salient one, if I'm honest, because it's something that's definitely crossed my mind with Henderson. Um, and when Dave rightly brings up our other midfielders, it's almost highlighted a little bit more the fact that we can't really afford to have injury-prone players. And I'm not saying he is injury-prone, because I'm not sure it's as bad as that, but it's got to be taken into account, hasn't it? Yeah, if, if you were looking at this from FSG's perspective, his injury record was certainly coming to your thinking. Um, I wrote something for this is Anfield last week, um, and in researching that piece, I think I think I found that he's he missed something like 53 games in five years. Um, that's not great. Um, it's also unlikely to get any better now he's 31. I suppose from Henderson's perspective, it would strengthen his hand if he was able to play 45 games or so this season. Um, let's hope he does. But yeah, it's, it, it does have to come into the thinking, certainly. On the um, compromise contract, if you want to call it that, the mm. potential incentive, uh, lower wages, perhaps. I think, given everything we've read this week, I think Henderson would probably be insulted by that. Um, I know I keep coming back to him and I do sound like a Gerard, Gerard fanboy, but it is reminiscent, <laughs> reminiscent of Stevie's last season where I think they offered him a, a new deal, one-year extension, but on a 40% reduced wage. Yeah. Um, I think Henderson would be well within his rights, given everything he's achieved, to pass on that and uh, and look to move on. At the same time, I, I would be surprised if he forced to move. I really would. Um, you know, people are talking about him with a reduced role and potentially becoming a bit part player. I think he's probably already had assurances from Klopp that that won't be the case. Um, all the while Klopp's in post, I don't think he'll have to fret about that. Ultimately, it's Klopp's opinion that matters most um, when it comes to Jordan's involvement. And from from what we're hearing, Klopp has total commitment in him, uh, total faith in him. And, you know, he's going to be a regular starter providing his fit moving forward. Yeah, well, you mentioned Klopp there, and that, that brings us nicely onto our next port of call, really, on this. So he's been mentioned previously in the podcast about he's not going to be happy with the situation, um, certainly if it manifests into anything greater. Um but there was confirmation this week that he, he wanted Wijnaldum to stay, which is something I think we all kind of knew. Um, and he has, I remember the European Super League debacle, and he was kind of caught cold by it. And it just goes to show that maybe the relationship between him and FSG isn't what it potentially should be, because he probably should have known about it, you'd say, um, to be able to speak more educated on it when it came up in the Leeds game, I think it was. Um, so there's an interesting dynamic there because Ralph Honigstein, sorry, my bad, uh, described Klopp as a company man this week, as in, as if to say that he'll basically go along with FSG's plan. And I think previously he has been that and he has shown quite a good working relationship with the owners. Um, so how do you feel, Aaron, that Klopp would feel about this Henderson situation? Um, and would he, like he did with Ryan Aldham, eventually go along with it? I do fear that some cracks are starting to appear in that relationship. Um, in fact, 
not only that relationship, towards the end of last season, I, I got the distinct impression that Jürgen was exasperated with the medical team, warning him against playing X and Y, you know, uh, for, for fitness concerns. Um, there were only a few hints and press conferences, I guess, but it was probably the first time we'd see him go against the party line, if you will, and, and not be the company man that Honningstein said. Yeah. Um, also, you know, it's, it's no real secret that he wanted defenders of a certain quality in early January and he never got them. Um, now we're not privy to the conversations Jurgen has with Mike Gordon or Michael Edwards, but he's well within his rights to be asking right now where his genie replacement is. And if that player is funded by money that's made on Henderson's sale, we'd actually be in a weaker position because we would have lost two midfielders to get one in. So, yeah, Klopp is a company man. He's he's very careful with the language he uses in press conferences. He's always very respectful of John Henry. Um, but I fear that there are cracks appearing in that relationship. I really do. Yeah, I think, like I say, a touch on the European Super League there, that kind of helped matters as well as a long line of things, unfortunately. Uh, um, before we move on, Dave, I wanted to get your opinion on that um, in terms of Klopp's relationship with FSG and how this saga, if you like, may affect it. You've both made really good points there, actually, the Super League thing. And, you know, if it Klopp isn't furnished with a Wijnaldum replacement that he wants, as, as you alluded to, Aaron, I think that that could be another possible source of frustration and angst for him. You know, this was a discussion that I had on, on Twitter this week, actually, because I find it hard to believe that Klopp will just sort of reluctantly acquiesce to this um, for, for the second time. You know, if it does escalate the, the sort of standoff that exists at the moment but and you know Klopp does understand that he's the one who he isn't the one who's calling the shots when it comes to contracts but that wouldn't make it any less kind of galling for him to lose Henderson um, not long after after losing Wijnaldum you know within a year to year or two of that happening so it wouldn't surprise me if this caused more friction because you know he's got an extremely close bond with his players and it's sort of natural football that the that relationship between the manager and the players is going to come into conflict with the business side and I don't think Klopp would see this renewal in the same way as you know the the owners and the club hierarchy might I, I think he wouldn't see it as a sentimental thing he'd see it as you know rewarding Henderson and a recognition of his value um in terms of his presence on the pitch and, and what he brings to his midfield. So at the end of the day as well, he always has to be the face of every decision that gets made. So it's not FSG, it's not John Henry, it's not Mike Gordon, whoever it may be going out and answering the questions. So next time Klopp does the press conference, he's almost certain to be asked about this Henderson situation. Like he was about Wayne Album all them times over. Like he was about the Super League before every game when it was going on. Um, so he has to be either fully, you know, immersed into what FSG wants and they have to fully understand why they make the decisions they do and agree with them to some to some extent to be there and say it. I don't think he'd go out and say the things he does if he didn't have full understanding of what was going on. You'd like to think that anyway. Um, I know he didn't with the Super League because he was taken aback by it, if, if we're honest, wasn't he? Um, it's interesting you mentioned the bond between Klopp and player, which I think is particularly strong with our manager and our players. Um, but it just took my mind back to the Champions League final and the, the moments after with Henderson and Klopp. Um, and it makes you think, we're discussing potentially Jordan Henderson leaving the club 
in quite you know difficult acrimonious circumstances and Klopp I just can't see him being happy with that whatsoever when you think about those two pretty much crying in each other's arms after that it was a uh, it was some moment um before we move on to the to our final piece in the pod um wanted to get an opinion from both of you Avenue in particular first um we spoke about Klopp's relationship with FSG and the club more generally as a fan just to sum up the Henderson situation how would you feel towards FSG and considering what what's gone on previously um tickets you know furlough etc etc this decision if it was to come to pass where would you be at with them then I think I share the opinion of a, of a lot of fans now um you've only got to open Twitter to gauge what the reaction would be if Henderson went um you know which says a lot about about Jordan and um the progress he's made over the last few years because he wasn't always the fan favorite was he um but fsg's reputation with the fans has been um it's been harmed doesn't it for a variety of reasons uh, my opinion is that they've been decent owners but conservative ones mm. um you can't help but feel they could always do a bit more particularly the transfer market um but if henderson were allowed to go it would just underline the fact that they're businessmen who care very little about upsetting us um, I go back to my earlier point. They let they let Gerard leave. They didn't even yeah. bother to turn up to his last game. Um, I thought the way they handled Kenny's dismissal was pretty disgusting. We've had the ticket fiasco. We've had the um, attempt to copyright the name Liverpool. Um, they mm-hmm. are out of touch, um, and they should be going out of their way right now to build bridges. Um, and this would do the complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it. Couldn't have said it better myself. To be honest with you, out of touch is probably the the perfect way because you're right. They are businessmen, but as we've kind of alluded to, sentiment does come into football at some point, and it's not just a sentimental move. Giving Henderson a new contract, don't get me wrong, but it definitely plays a part. Um, I'll, I'll get you in, Dave, to kind of kind of round off that situation if you can do it any better than Aaron just did. Well, you know, I'll just say that like. I- the reaction this week probably gives you an indication of what the reaction will be by and large if you know it did come come to the stage where Henderson was leaving. Um, you know, there's still fans who rate Henderson more than others. Like he's not, as Aaron alluded to, the, the kind of polarizing figure he used to be, but there are still a decent number of fans I think who view him as replaceable. Um, although they've kind of been maybe drowned out this week by the prevailing anger. I think so for the most part there'll be a, a huge backlash um, and it will only strengthen that perception of FSG that you've talked about. In terms of the long-term impact of allowing Henderson to leave, it's going to come down to what happens on the pitch, isn't it? Like if we, if results tail off post-Henderson and the team look like it's, it lacks that kind of cohesion that he, he might bring, then people are going to clearly connect those dots. Um, but maybe it won't be the strength of feeling will kind of fade if there isn't that kind of immediate impact. So, see, obviously this is all hypothetical, but it's clear that yeah. the relationship between club owners is already in a fragile place and this, this certainly won't have helped. Yeah, it's a really, it's a fascinating conversation to begin with, um, but it's a really good point in terms of how Henderson's transformed. This week's been a real telltale sign of how Henderson's transformed his opinion of pretty much across the fan base you're right there's yeah. still some detractors but you know he really is a, a bit of a fan favorite these days which certainly wasn't the case all them years ago 
Um, but we will move on to our final little topic of discussion for this week. Um, it was a line from James Pierce's column, and they probably didn't get as much attention as the Henderson one in particular. Um, and basically, he says that it's not realistic that Liverpool will extend the contracts of all of the front three. Um, so the process that we're kind of talking through now could repeat itself again. Um, and Roberto Firmino has been billed as the most vulnerable out of that front three. Um, so, Aaron, I'll bring you in. Um, what's your thoughts on that situation in general? Um, and how would you feel if Firmino was the one sacrificed out of those? I'd be devastated personally because he's my favourite player. Um, that said, there's there's no escaping the fact that he's he's tailed off massively in the last couple of seasons, hasn't he? Um, for that reason, I'd, I'd be surprised if anyone came in and offered big money for him. If he was to go, I think it's more likely he goes on a free at the end of his deal. Again, going back to sorting deals on a case-by-case basis, Bobby's probably less of a priority than Henderson when you consider what they're both likely to offer over the next couple of seasons. Probably maybe a controversial opinion, but but that's my view. Um, mm. Yeah, I I definitely can see him being the first of the front three to leave, uh, to leave but probably on a free. I, I completely agree. I think myself and Dave and a lot of other Liverpool fans spent a lot of last season discussing Roberto Firmino's form and whether we needed replacing in the window. So to look at him now as potentially being the dispensable one of that front three is probably about fair enough. And Dave, do you echo those thoughts or do you have a different viewpoint on it? Kind of. Um, obviously, Firmino has two years left as well. I wouldn't necessarily be against selling him next summer. Um purely because I think that'd still be a decent Marcus given his his reputation. Um and you know from our point of view we think that there are kind of clear signs that he's declining. So if you could get decent money when he has only one year left, then you know that might be kind of a natural um parting point really. You know, mm. Aaron said he's um for me you know his favourite player. You know, there's a spell. It kind of for me it changes every few months. Um but there was a spell where he was he was my favourite as well, um, but having said that, I'd have less of an issue uh, with him leaving than I than I you know have with Wijnaldum or would have with Henderson really. So, and you know even this season you can make the case that that Jota should be starting over and potentially um, everyone will have their own views on that. But it does kind of indicate that his presence is is starting to wane, like his in sort of in tandem with his, his performance levels really. So, yeah. I, I think it was something that escaped attention a little bit um, that, mm. that James Pierce wrote, but I don't, yeah, it's not like, I don't think it would draw any like the same reaction. I think it would be sort of, obviously people are going to be very sad to see a key member of the team leave, but I think when Firmino does go, it'll just mostly be kind of a, there will be more of an acceptance there. Yeah, which is, which is interesting. Um, I do want to pick up on something based on that. Um, in terms of Firmino's resale value, I suppose he relies on pace a lot less than the other two, so there might well be a bit of resale value, and even a bit more extended value for Liverpool, potentially out of him, if he adapts his game slightly again. Um, but just to sum up the whole sort of episode we spoke about here, so we spoke quite a lot about Henderson's situation and the room for sentiment against business, if you like. Um, but we're all kind of accepting it with Firmino, and I know he's a couple of years younger, but 
just to kind of summarise then, I'll, I'll come to you, Alan, first. Um, I'm just trying to get to grips with, is it because it's Jordan Henderson and he's so integral to Liverpool Football Club that we don't agree with the situation? And are we okay with the FSG model? I know we've touched on it, but are we okay with the model? And do we think it makes sense? Is it because it's Henderson that we don't like it? It's a good question and a good debate. Um, I think with Bobby, you only have to look at his his output in the last couple of years. And I think there's an acceptance among the fan base that he's not the player he was. Whereas Henderson, a difficult season for, for, for most of the squad last year, but I'd argue that when he did play, he performed admirably, um, even at centre-back. So I think the output of the two players probably has an influence there. I think people can still see that Henderson's contributing. Um, now, Bobby ended the season strongly, but I think there's a danger in us thinking, you know, He's gone back to his normal level. That's not the case. He's, he's clearly deteriorating, sadly. So I think it just comes down to what the fans think both of them can, can offer over the next couple of years. And, and in my opinion, I think Henderson's likely to offer more. It is a, it is a really good question, Dan. Um, the way I look at it, like, in terms of these the sort of contract issues, you've got Van Dijk, Salamane, who for the club, it's probably not really a conversation. You know, they're going to, make sure that they extend those contracts. And you've got probably, for me, you know, I'd say on the other end of the scale, where his, it's it's likely that the model will be kind of rigidly adhered to there because of the evident decline that we spoke about. And Henderson sits somewhere in the middle because he doesn't necessarily have the ability of the players I mentioned, but also isn't showing any signs of decline as a footballer and is maybe kind of growing in stature still. So, he is the more, I think his is naturally the most divisive one. But you are right that the different responses we've had in terms of Henderson and Firmino do kind of illustrate that there is a very much a debate to be had here, which is why we spent, what, 45 minutes doing it um, yeah, about yeah, the merits exactly. of the model. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And it makes you think that as Liverpool fans, we're generally relatively accepting and we kind of agree with the business model up to a point and then when that point crosses, you know, club legend Jordan Henderson, we go, nah, that's not right. You know, what I mean? it's one of them, it's a difficult one. But been a been a really, really good chat. Um, and this is the time, um, I think we need to give Aaron the uh, opportunity to plug anything, whether it be his Twitter handle, uh, any work, anything that's got going on. And obviously say thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, lads. Um, in terms of plugging anything, uh, yeah, please just check. Uh, this is Anfield. Um, for, for, for any articles I'll put on there. Twitter handle at Aaron underscore Cutler. Uh, welcome any followers. But um, no, thanks thanks for having me on. It's been a been a really good chat. Good. No, yeah, it really has been a pleasure. Um, Dave, anything from you before we head off? Just a, a long-awaited update on uh, Red Drummer's trip yes. international. Um, so I had a look, I had a look this week um, and there's a pretty outstanding one in there of Mauritius. We've now got... Mauritius? We've now got... At least a, at least one listener in in Mauritius, um, <laughs> and also That's and also one in Norway as well, which won't do the uh, the stereotypes any any good. But you know, every country counts. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite happy with Jan Arnavisa listening in Norway, and that is definitely <laughs> someone on the honeymoon in Mauritius. That's the only reason people go there. Yeah, so 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 good for him or her, of course. Um, but that is all we've got time for this week on Reds Unrestricted, and we will be back with episode 27 next week.